welcome to Coffee House. Today we are talking about student loan forgiveness. That's right, San Francisco, I have finished it. However, it's going to get pushed till next week. But there's some uh, great stuff in there to talk about. For now, this is the big thing in the news, student loan forgiveness, the Biden policy. 10k for some, 20k for others, there are other benefits associated with it. There are questions about the legality of the program, but we won't deal with those here. We'll assume that it is legal, going to be effectuated in every way it has been detailed, and we'll try to understand what the ramifications are of the thing. So first, the economics. So who actually benefits? Primarily, it's going to be schools. Secondarily, it's going to be the irresponsible borrowers. Now, obviously, that's not to say that everybody who borrowed money to go to school is irresponsible, who is still paying it off. But the people who already paid it off are more likely to be responsible on a statistical basis than the people who did not. Of course, like any product, one ought to consider the value and return on investment if you're, if the value of the product isn't such that you can pay for it over the course of 5 or 10 or 20 years, then you didn't get a great product. It's incredible how many on Twitter, how many people I saw that were whining about their situation after having chosen whatever degree they chose without recognizing the fact that apparently they chose really poorly because they are not able to pay for their student loans. Okay, one thing to keep in mind also is that educational institutions, you know, universities, colleges, the faculty, etc., are 90% Democrat, at least. So this is a very clear and easy and obvious way to shore up the base after having cost them over the course of the last couple of years via inflation and gas prices, etc., cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. Now, this is something that you can do right before the midterms to try to buy some votes. But more importantly, the complex issues related to it, it reduces the value of education. Of course, with any kind of a product, more supply lowers the value of that product. And one thing that we've done for the last couple of decades is increase the supply of degrees from educational institutions of bachelor's and higher degrees, which in turn means that employers don't have an ability, as much of an ability to discern between applicants. The degrees have less value. That's not even, even if all the educational standards remained as rigorous, which they didn't, then still, just by function of having more of a supply of people with degrees, it would lessen the value of the degrees. And when the government flooded the educational institutions with money, flooded the system with the ability for many, many more people to be able to just take money out and be able to pay it back, you know, in a decade later and based on in their income and all sorts of other things, that dramatically increased supply and lowered the value of the product. So what you end up with is you get extra work and expense on the, the part of students for no benefit. It doesn't actually benefit them to go through that because now it's just the default or the standard. So it's just forcing everybody to go through more effort and spend more money for no benefit. It also long-term encourages reliance on forgiveness. People are more likely to get worthless degrees instead of being more discerning about what they're studying because on the back end, they have this reliance on it being forgiven at some point. And very importantly, it divorces the cost and value. So Michael Burry, he's on Twitter, and I I had to double check like a hundred times that it was actually Michael Burry, you know, the guy from The Big Short, The Investor, but he's been posting a lot of things on there related to the economy, and he said a couple of things about this, this whole issue. His first tweet was something about what governments need to do when it comes to education. I was just like, I was going to reply in some way to say that, no, they just need to get out of it. Just get them out of it. And his second tweet was, or they, the government just needs to get out. So that was much appreciated. 
But the consequences for bad degrees or bad products need to fall on the universities themselves. So just think of it like this. If you had bed frames that were being produced by some manufacturer and they were producing these bed frames and they kept collapsing on people. Not on people, but they, they would collapse when people were laying on top of them. If every time that happened, the government had to pay for that bad bed frame, had to reimburse the person for it, then the business itself would have no incentive whatsoever to try to make better bed frames. If a university is offering a bunch of worthless degrees at too high a cost, they should refine their product or go out of business. That's how every industry should work. Incentives matter. Currently, the incentive is for the educational institutions to care less about the product and raise prices as much as possible because free education money is coming in at both ends. You've got the government pumping it in from one end, a bunch of free money for applicants, and then you've got the government on the other end forgiving all these loans, which ends up on the back of the government instead of the educational institutions. So it's a huge benefit for the educational institutions and not for everybody else, especially long term. There was another idea that I saw. It's it's It was termed duty abdication. So this is the kind of... And I'm working on this theory. This is something that will be in my first major nonfiction book that I'm working on. It's this idea of collateral psychological damage. So in this case, when you have something like forgiveness, the student loan forgiveness, you have a suggestion psychologically that duty abdication is fine. That it's fine to have a duty and then abdicate your responsibility for that duty because something positive is, has happened in this particular instance, even though you abdicated that duty. It's a kind of ripple effect of an event psychologically. It's what it's saying to the rest of your brain. That's what collateral psychological damage is. So in the first instance, I took out a loan. I should pay back that loan. That's my duty. But I didn't have to pay it. I received a benefit through no effort. And so therefore, I don't have to worry about duty as a concept. So duty in every other aspect of my life now, I don't have to worry about it. And then finally, uh, there was a video of Steve Jobs that I hadn't seen before where he was talking about education. And he advocated in this video a full voucher system, so so choice in education. Just like we read Betsy DeVos's book, and she talked about that, Hostages No More. And she talked about how important it was for a full voucher system and how this has worked tremendously in Florida. But they've been doing it. They started it a while ago and have been implementing it long term. And when it comes to education results, they're doing much better than most of the states. But anyway, so Steve Jobs was specifically talking about this, but he put it in terms of customers. So the customers are the parents, but they stopped paying attention. The customers stopped paying attention to the industry. Mothers started working. So they didn't have the time to be able to do that. And schools became much more institutionalized. So when the customer goes away, then it's much easier to implement a monopoly. And when the, the monopoly has control, then the service level always goes down. So the public school system is a monopoly. Less so in some states that have more school choice and less control by unions. But the public school system in general is a monopoly. California spent twice as much as it cost to buy a car, this is at Steve Jobs' time, twice as much per year as it cost to buy a car on each pupil. So when it comes to cars, this is how he explained it, when it comes to cars, you have tons of options. And you have tons of competition from a bunch of different car manufacturers, even more so today. And the technology improves all the time. And when you go to buy a car, then you have to do all of this research and you're looking over all of your options to decide, okay, what is, where's the best place to put their money? In schools, however, people don't feel like they're spending their own money. So you don't do the same kind of comparison shopping as you would with a car. And that's one thing to keep in mind is it is your own money. It is money that you pay to the government for a service. And yet you don't have any control over what to do with it. 
Even if you want to go to a private school, you can't take your money out of the public school system that you're not going to be using anymore and put it towards the private school. So he suggests to give each parent a check to be spent at a school of their choosing. Then you would have schools that have to appeal to parents, and you'd end up with a lot of new schools starting with using a lot of new innovative tactics uh, to get this education across. A lot of public schools would go broke, and that would be a good thing. That would be clearing away all the bad schools, which isn't a thing that generally can happen at this point. And there's a, there was this kind of criticism at the time that suggested that all the good students would end up going to some schools, and all the bad students would be left. And they would just end up around each other. But the way he points it out is that you don't have only luxury cars. It's not only Mercedes and BMWs out there that you can buy. You have affordable good cars. So other students would end up in the most affordable, best value that they could get. The Honda Accord of the educational institution. So anyway, that's loan forgiveness. I mean, this is one of those things. Education obviously has been a very important topic recently. And it will continue to be long term for me but this is another one of those areas where this is just absolute short-term thinking to derive a kind of instant benefit that is going to be extremely detrimental long term and it's absolutely hilarious that people will not acknowledge the fact that obviously the short-term thing that gives you a short-term benefit is never the answer in public policy and i just wonder how many people how many self-loathing people are not entering this conversation in a genuine way. That they they actually don't care or would like to see the whole thing crumble. Or they're just complete idiots that are completely self-serving and can only see a couple of feet in front of their face. So so that's why that's probably more likely. Anyway, but so this was Coffee House. I appreciate you listening. That was about education, and we will see San Francisco next week and some other books after that, working on For Whom the Bell Tolls. You know, that's one of Hemingway's longer books. I'm slogging through Churchill. Churchill's taken way longer than it should have. And then we're going to have some Thomas Sowell as well coming up. But I hope all is well, and I will see you on the next one. All right, bye. (laughs) 